You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Yeah, man. 
listening to African Perspectives, where we view the issues of our day from an African worldview and African-centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition that asks elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters. In the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet, it gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors, and we say the word ashe. It simply means, so be it. So we pour this libation to God. For all that God has done and for all that God will do. We sashay. We pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity. Everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future, we all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Timeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured us libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. 
We poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, Benin, Great Zimbabwe, civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So we poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe. We poured us libation to the Ma'afa, the holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So we poured us libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We poured us libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we poured us libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted, and we will always resist. So we poured us libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We poured us libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We poured us libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Good morning, African world. You are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network, on timeforanawakening.com, and blacktalkradionetwork.com, and I am your host, Baba Oshi Hotep family. Hope everything is well with you. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you had a chance to do all that you Hope you had a chance to do all the things you should do, must do, can do, and will do. Hoping, too, that the weather was accommodating for you to do it. But, of course, if it was not, then believe me, whew, it's impressive-ass heat. If it was not, and you had to get it done, you got it done. 
put a big hat on, stayed cool, and got it done. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we need. <laughs> You're listening to African Perspectives. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, or 8 to 10 Pacific. Any other time around the world, but if you cannot listen to this program live, you can go to our archives at timeforawakening.com. Timeforawakening.com. At the top of the page, you'll see podcast. Click on that. The drop down, you'll see African Perspectives. Click on that, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. Also, too, if you want to use the shortcut, any search engine that you use, you know, and even use Time for Awakening, put in Baba o- in the search, put in the search, babaoshi.net, B-A-B-A-O-S-H-I.net. And once again, there will be programs that are dated and titled. Thanks to my good brother, Kwaku, and I want to thank Brother Kwaku. Unfortunately, we had technical difficulties. I was in Milwaukee, and... Um, but this past Friday, Brother Irv Lewis finally was on, and I thank him always. Both of those are good brothers, and I thank him. So we did have a, a broadcast on Friday. And um, look forward to the broadcast today. I got a guest, Brother Akil Parker, out of Philadelphia, the math whiz. I was supposed to have had Brother Heru, Dr. Heru, man. I blew that. And he has a very important piece. So I may not be able to get it today that's concerning um, the exhibit at the Hyde Museum here in Atlanta. I'm not sure if it's Nubian or a Kemetic, you know, what they're going to be showing, but we're going to march on their ass. You know, that's for sure. Got to make a statement. If they keep taking our stuff, I mean, I'm quite sure they might have had that for decades. I don't give a damn. It's ours. It's our stuff. Yeah, so this uh, African perspectives. What do I do now? I ain't done this in a while. <laughs> oh, okay, you're right. <laughs> this program is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then other programming we have you on Time for an Awakening, which is just Time for an Awakening. Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Fridays at 8 p.m. And then again on Sunday at 7 p.m. Time for an awakening. Yeah. And of course, the number to call is 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. We Buy Black. We Buy Black, the largest online marketplace for American African-owned businesses, is webuyblack.com. Get everything you need from American African-owned businesses from WeBuyBlack.com. Africa for the Africans. Africa for the Africans, Brother Bomani Tayemba is uh, prepared to take a group of our people once again to the motherland. He has a trip upcoming in November. Which I know it's a few months away, but it, hey, it's going to be going to Tanzania. That's right, November 16th through the 27th, Tanzania for 4400 Then, wow, that, that went up. December 24th through January 4th, 2024, to, to Azania. Now it's 4700 Hey, man, it, 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 that happens, brothers and sisters. It happens. You know, 
March 29th to April 9th, 2024, $4,200 Liberia. Liberia. July 11th through July 23rd, Ghana, 4,400 to Ghana. November 21st to December 2nd for 45. Kemet, going to Kemet. And then April 1st to April 11th, 4,400, Senegal and Gambia. Those that are trips, I'm quite sure there might be some others that might be in that mix. Uh, for Africa, for the Africans. Brother Bomani Tahim, but if you want to see pictures of previous tours, go to facebook.com forward slash Bomani. If you want to see videos of previous tours, go to youtube.com forward slash Bomani 2007. Also, too, if you want to plan your trip, and you need the paperwork, just go to the website. That's what I did. I, you know, I was happy to have the information that Brother Bomani provides when I took a trip uh, to Ghana back in 2019, you know. So information is there for you, Africa for the Africans.org. <sighs> Habasha. Habasha Incorporated. Habashaincorporated.org. Habasha stands for Helping Africa by Establishing Schools at Home and Abroad. And of course, here in the, in the Atlanta area, it's the Habasha Works Program. Habasha, uh, the Kashi Project that's ongoing that was unveiled back in October. The Habasha Works here in Atlanta. Back to Our Roots, Golden Growers, Sustainable Seeds, and Urban Green Jobs. All of these programs that Habasha involves itself in. Habashaincorporated.org. Ledge Group, Ledge, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. Brother Peter Brown, the Ledge Group. Ledge deals in the four areas of human necessity, which is food, water, clothing, and shelter. There are 12 projects in six different countries, and over 170 in employed and over 260 members. Become a member of the Ledge Group, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. Abibiatumi. Abibiatumi, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Abibiatumi.com. Abibiatumi is dedicated to the complete and total liberation of African people and the modern Kemetic new land of African people throughout the African world from under domination by Eurasians and, and their anti-African, anti-African collaborators. As such, Abibiatumi seeks to reclaim and to create systems and tools designed by African people for the benefit of African people. In the interest and in complete and total African liberation, self-preservation, self-determination, and survival in each and every area of human activity. I say Abibiatumi. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Abibiatumi.com. Smy Pharmacy. S-M-A-I-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. Smy Pharmacy. Brothers and sisters, Brother Jabril can put a program together for you. Go to the website, smyfarmacy.com, S-M-A-I-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y.com, smyfarmacy.com. Or give them a call at 770-765-7751. That's 770-765-7751. Also, too, you can email them. Drop them an email at smyfarmacy. S-M-A-I-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y at gmail.com.
Moses West Foundation. The Moses West Foundation, as you know, I put a lot into wanting the Moses West Foundation to be successful as it should be and can be, considering the issue of water around the world. <coughs> and sometimes I watch programming and talk about it. And there 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 are solutions. You know, there are solutions. There are issues that can be addressed. You know, the AGE, the atmospheric water generation technology is portable. <laughs> it could be any and everywhere it's necessary. It's portable. You put it down right there. It sucks moisture out of the air. It deals with the H2O molecule and disregards all others that might be in contaminants or whatever. It cleans and purifies that H2O. Open up the tap and out comes clean drinking water. Clean, usable water. So, water scarcity, you know, what issue of water problems, it is true. But Brother Moses West has found a way to make it so it's sustainable for all of us. For all of us. All right. Ah, yeah. Wadada's Wadada's Healthy Marketing Juice Bar here in the West End in Atlanta (coughs) on Ralph David Abernathy up the street from where I live. And Wadada's just beautiful, man, beautiful sister. They have all kinds of good health drinks, health dry goods. They serve vegan dishes on Saturday and Sunday, you know. So Wadada's a good place. Give them a call at 404 444-1635. Wadada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar, located on Ralph David Abernathy in the West End. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall, Mama Nia. She has a fine selection of books, postcards, greeting cards, green, gift certificates, T-shirts, figurines, and all kinds of good stuff at the Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. Give her a call, because if there's a book you're looking for, I'm quite sure she may have it, but if she doesn't, she'll get it for you. 404-346-3263. That's 404-346-3263. The Black Dot Cultural Center Bookstore and Coffee Bar. That's right. And Coffee Bar. Brother Gazim De Ajamo in Lithonia. That's east of here. East of Atlanta. Jump on I-20 going east, exit 74, make a left, Main Street, you're on Main Street of Lithonia, go down about a mile, and on the left will be the Black Dot Cultural Center Bookstore and Coffee Bar. Give them a call at 770-305-6373, 770-305-6373. That's a good uh, job that, that brother has done with that, with the space there for, you know, clothing and Shoes, red, black, and green shoes, and of course books. A meeting place, a sacred meeting place, just outstanding. Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore. There is light in the Black Dot. Jump back on Main Street now. Head south. Make a left onto I twenty. You're still going to go east. The next exit is exit seventy five. 
go down, exit, make the, make the exit, turn right, three lights, turn another right, and on the left will be the new Black Wall Street Market. The new Black Wall Street Market. Go check it out for yourself, family. The new Black Wall Street Market. Us lifting us, the Economic Development Cooperative for Our People in the Spirit of Ujamaa, their Thursday night broadcast every Thursday night on Blog Talk Radio. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash U-L-U, us lifting us. You can, uh, they can go online to get them, but you can phone at 9 o'clock. It's every night, at Thursday night night from 9 to 10. You can dial 929-477-2789. That's 929-477-2789. Us, lifting us to economic development cooperative for our people. Homeland Village. Homeland Village is not open on Mondays, but from Tuesday through Sunday at 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. in Macon, Georgia, 2910 Napier Avenue. Brother Abijah at the Homeland Village. I mean, he has, he's got furniture, he's got clothing, he's got incense, CDs, DVDs, jewelry, Pan-African fashions, much, much, much more. And he has a vegan restaurant on the premises. That's right. So it's worth going. So you can go out. It's a one stop. <laughs> Just go out there. Everything. And you can eat right there. It's all beautiful. That's right. Give Brother Abija a call at 478-256-1166. That's 478-256-1166. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop in Macon, Georgia. Sun Goddess Sense. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop. Look at it at 4140. Jonesboro Road in Forest Park, Georgia, inside the International Discount Mall, booth 225. For more information, give my good sister, Shelly Amonset, who just had a birthday. Happy birthday, my sister. And give her a call at 404-7963. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop. Sister Gabby with... Um, Sanjay-Haiti in the northeastern portion of the island of Haiti. She's been doing great work. Believe me. Go online and check it out. Sanjay, S-O-N-J-E dash Haiti A-Y-I-T-I dot org. Sanjay dash Haiti dot org. Baba Baruti, the school says, of course, it started here in Atlanta. And it's, it's, it's uh, online, Occupant Institute. It's online. So you can check that out. Uh, enroll your children. It's an African-centered school, truly African-centered. Uh, there's also a transformative online class for our children. And um, that's this is the eighth-week course online, part one of part four. Uh, will both strengthen and deepen your child's awareness and connection to the motherland, essential for establishing genuine respect, enthusiasm, and ultimate commitment to serve home. <laughs> Don't we want that? You know you can't get it nowhere else but through us. You know, I mean, I know we send the majority of our children to public schools, and we send some of our children to private schools. Send some of our children to choice and charter school. But the only place they're going to learn to be the warriors that we need is in African centered schools. 
African Warriors Day, Saturday, September 16th. Save the day, Saturday, September 16th. It's important at this day because there's a change, family. This year and going forward, we will combine the celebrations into one joint celebration for us all in September. So they used to have the African Warriors Day and African Warrior Women's Day, and now it's going to be on that one weekend. Hope to see you there. I'll give you 48. Give you 48, family. Hope to see you there. So, yeah. Oh, before I play, and before I go to the NA SACEM, let me play this commercial right here, and I'll get the information. Also, I, I got to get the information from uh, Dr. Haru on the um, protest this Saturday uh, at the High, High, Muse- High Museum, which is uh, showcasing African, I believe it's comedic or Nubian uh, artifacts. So, but check this out. It's coming. Mississippi Black Liberation Movement Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club presents the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Building Power Summit, free the land, undivide, and reclaim. September 15th to the 17th, Jackson, Mississippi at the historic Black Tougaloo College. Portions of the conference to be aired on Time for an Awakening Media, Black Talk Radio Network. Calling all serious black power organizations, revolutionaries, organizers to attend this divine experience. For more information, contact Brother Patrick Lumumba, 662-560-5434. Sister Crystal Denise, 405-361-4751. And Brother Nick Bezel, 512-364-0050. That's the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. I say, black power. Speaking of black power, yeah, the Inya, the Inya Sassim of daily the revolutionary thought. The today's date is Baba Mukasa, black power, Brother Ricks, Willie Ricks, Baba Mukasa, August thirteenth. So we stand here on the edge of hell and look out on the world and wonder what are we going to do in the face of what we remember? There are a number of us who have broken from weakening Eurocentric models of socialization and this completely anti-African cultural context in society. And then there are those of us who in, and then there are those of us who intent is fully African. We have gone beyond remission of being healed beyond the likelihood of return to insanity. Ours is an active understanding that Europeans and anyone else who acts against us are our enemies. I repeat, Europeans and anyone else who acts against our interests are our enemies. It has become impossible for us to recognize ourselves as anything other than the workers of our peoples and our fulfillers of our ancestors' vision of African redemption. Our personal sense of being African, which molds and is molded by our physical and cultural environments, and that untouchable, inborn, spiritual, seely essence, 
which urges us toward and shows us how to be our African selves are in absolute harmony. They are in absolute harmony. Just as Eurocentric thought and behavior can unwittingly uh, become our generalized norm, so too can African-centered thought and behavior forcefully and consciously adopted, adapted in an effort to route out alien practices and thinking becomes our whole way. For us, being African has become real in its spiritual, mental, and physical consequences. And to be African is to wholly divest ourselves of every worthless European quality. We have moved beyond the pale of cultural misalignment. We have kept all of our appointments, attended all of our sessions, and faithfully followed the selfless advice of our ancestral years. Affirm, I have rejected the European way and all of its worthless qualities. Affirm, I have rejected the European way and all of its worthless qualities. August 14th. Black power. Mukasa. Baba Mukasa. Really, Brother Willie Ricks. He was with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. SNCC back when he was, when Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael was in, was dealing with it. Yeah, they were revolutionaries. The person who struggles to attain goals, the person who struggles to attain goals, <coughs> is stronger than the person who achieves them without self exertion. Europeans understand this and know that true equality and opportunity can never be allowed in a Caucasian society, in a white supremacist society. Why? Because we have historically struggled much more than ever in every every facet of life that they will lose hands down in an open fair competition. There is a reason why that at the same time we tell our children that race no longer matters. We still tell them that they have to be twice or three times as good as their European peers in order to beat them. Why we tell them that they are the best yet, we train them to work for others. And why we tell them that they can't die before they were born. Yet we tell them that a powerful global African nation is impossible. It's an impossibility. Europeans are quite aware of the lessons that we instill in our children. They know that if you spend a season training two children with the same ability for the same athletic competition and you make one wear heavy leg and arm weights, but both do exactly the same strenuous exercise every day, the one that is shackled will win once the weights are removed. This is why they are pushing us to spoil our children because it weakens them and it leaves them vulnerable in a world where their parents exercise little social control and therefore there is no position to save them from the agents of the state and wait for them to act out in impetuous, foolhardy and arrogant insolence. They've learned imitating spoiled, privileged European children. Affirm, I struggle to empower Africanness. Affirm, I struggle to empower Africanness. Brothers and sisters, the Enya Sassim of daily revolutionary thought. (sighs) Family, 
It's good to be back. Once again, I thank my good brother, Brother Irv Lewis, for sitting in, doing his thing, and I know you enjoyed it. I couldn't hear it. I was upset. You know, I'm just chilling out. I couldn't, I couldn't get the broadcast, you know, because I need to have on my phone not tune in, because tune in was a problem. I need to have time for an awakening. That's right. Time for an awakening.com. So, we have a guest, Brother Kill Parker. Brother Kill Parker has been on this program a number of times out of Philadelphia. He's a mathematician. He helps make math relevant to our people, particularly to our children. Uh, Brother Kill, good morning. Morning, Baba Oshi. How, how, you? You, how you doing, man? How you been? Been good. I've been good. Working, putting in, trying to trying to change the relationship that we as a community have with mathematics. Good. Good, because we are math. Did, did you ever, did you finish watching that piece I told you about, Great Pyramid K 2019? I don't think I did, okay. but I know I got a portion of it. But right. I need, to, I need to that from the beginning. Right, because, I mean, they tell yeah. you, you know, how mathematics made everything possible. You know, creating pi, uh, you know, the golden ratio and all this stuff, man. I mean, all of it's us. That's why it's always been said, why are we afraid of mathematics? We we created mathematics. Mathematics is us, you know? And then, of course, yeah. because uh, we've been trained to shy away from it or to reject it, all other cultures have, have math wizards and math geniuses and so forth. But we still have brothers and sisters who understand th- these particular concepts and put them to good use? Yeah, there's just been a lot of a lot of propaganda mm-hmm. um, and, and, and pl- applied and enforced to try to get us to not realize that math is really something that should you know come naturally. Just like you know, there's been a lot of propaganda to uh, lead us to believe that you know you know naturally we should be rappers and singers and, and basketball players and football players. Right. Um, not that, not that we shouldn't be, um, not to, you know, we have many talents where people of diverse and numerous talents, but mathematics is one of those talents as well. But we've been, you know, convinced large scale, mm-hmm. many of us through, through varying uh, methods that mathematics is not something that we should strive to, um, to achieve that. And I have some, I have some theories about that. You know, I, I think that from my studies, from being a student of math and also being a teacher of math and teaching on the college level um, and developing a much deeper understanding of mathematics generally, I see math as synonymous with problem solving. Okay. So when we think of it in that context mm-hmm. as math problem solving, but no, but normally or typically in schools and in, in you know the general public in the mainstream media, uh, many people don't equate mathematics with problem solving, right? So, or at least not explicitly. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, if and then you think about the Latin phrase "qui bono," "qui bono," which means you know who benefits, right? And we also think about the fact that, especially you know in Western society, when we deal with a, a capitalist, uh, neo-colonial type of you know political structure where 
we're basically living within a zero-sum game where it's mandatory that there be winners and losers. In order for there to be winners, there have to be losers. Hmm. So think okay. about problems in that context. Then what happens is you realize that for every problem that I have, there is some person or some entity that is benefiting from me having that problem. Mm-hmm. So it is in their best interest that my problem be maintained so that they can maintain their benefit simultaneously. So then if we go back to the idea that math is synonymous with problem solving, if I want to maintain somebody's problem, I should do everything in my power to try to influence them and condition them so that they will never be able to solve their problems or they will never even want to solve their problems Mm. or never even that it's relevant to solve their problems. So when you think about young children and even adults that may say things such as, you know, math is too hard or math is irrelevant or I'm never going to use that in my life. What if we, what if we substituted the word math for the term problem solving? Imagine somebody saying problem solving is hard. I'm never going to need problem in my life. Problem solving is irrelevant. As long as you get a large amount of people to adopt that type of thinking and that type of belief system, then those that benefit from people's problems are much safer. Right. And can be much easier. Yes. Good point. So this, this is, this is my theory about why there's so much propaganda around convincing people that, you know, um, they can't do math or that they shouldn't do math or that, you know, math is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And the real challenge for those that are in control is, you know, something that Amos Wilson talked about. One of the, one of the many things he talked about was that the challenge in, in really education in general, not just in mathematics education, but in formal education in general in this society is to figure out how to maintain the status quo of conditions while at the same time giving the appearance and the impression that you're actually trying to change things. And in this case, based upon what we're talking about, like how do I maintain, how do they maintain the status quo while at the same time trying to give the appearance that we actually want black children to start to excel in mathematics Mm. when it is actually a political necessity that black children and black people in general are, will, will be unable to excel in mathematics because as we, as I, as I say, as I say, mathematics is problem solving. Mm -hmm. So as long as black people can't excel at problem solving, then those that benefit from their problems are very safe. And they will continue to be safe. And we won't even, we won't even, you know, because when you, when you learn math, you know, you start looking at the world differently. You start looking at it through a different lens. You start asking questions that most people won't even ask. Right. You, once you start asking questions and you, you, you try to get answers, you try to figure things out, then you realize that some things really don't make sense, even though you've been um, kind of conforming to those things for a very long time, maybe your entire life. Because, you know, when, when you start to look at things in, the, in terms of, like, equations and things balancing out and, you know, the left side equaling the right side, then, you know, things become very different, you know, very, very different. And as long as, you know, we're kind of kept or, or, you know, motivated or propagandized into not even wanting that for ourselves, then those people are safe, you know. Because mm-hmm. it reminds me of um, Malcolm X's seventh grade English teacher that he, he right. wrote about biography yeah and, uh, you know it's scenes from the Malcolm X movie yeah what do you want to um, do what do you, who you want to be yeah right so what happens is like the teacher tells him you know you should be a carpenter 
you know, and, and not that there's anything wrong with the vocational trades, but the idea was that Malcolm, as a black boy, shouldn't even have the option to become an attorney mm-hmm. or a lawyer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he should have had the option. We should all have options. If you, we want to become carpenters, that's cool, but you shouldn't become a carpenter because you feel like you can't do it, do something else or you can't do all this other stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. So what happens is through our conditioning, through a lot of the, like I said, the mainstream media and also through public school experiences, charter, private school experiences, we buy into these narratives that math is not for us. Right. And math, you know, can't benefit us. And then by doing that, since math is also a gatekeeper into access to a lot of careers and opportunities and, you know, the different STEM disciplines, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics fields, then we end, we end up disqualifying ourselves from a lot of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, but because of the, it's because of the condition and we start at a very young age. Right. You know, at a very, very young age. So um, since I realized these things, this is why I'm really trying to, you know, I see, I see math as a, as a tool of our liberation. And I'm, that's why I'm trying to change the relationship that we have with math and get us to realize and more of us to see that we shouldn't run away from it. We should actually run towards it. You know, um, kind of like, you know, with your experience in the past as a firefighter, you know, y'all had to run into the burning building. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. most of us, you run away from the burning building. You know, so more of us, we got to start running toward mathematics mm-hmm. instead of running away from it when we see it, you know. So, and then we do, when we do that, that's when some things will really change. And, you know, I've, I'm trying to also, I've also created resources to provide to the community so that, um, so that we'll be able to do that you know, in a more more efficient and effective way. I say. Such uh, the YouTube channel where I'm basically just giving, you know, just giving, you know, math lessons. You know, we currently have over, uh, almost, uh, not over, but almost 600 videos currently. How many? Uh, almost 600. Oh, wow. I know I've seen a few of them. I didn't know you. <laughs> and what is the duration yeah, got- per, uh, I know it probably all depends, but what is the, some of the shortest, some of the longest ones? Time. Uh, on the YouTube, the shortest ones are probably like maybe five or six minutes. Because in the YouTube, I tend to be real like I can't. I tend to get wordy, and I try to be real specific. Right. And what ends up, because you know, like mm-hmm. like math has so many layers to it. So, um, and there's so many like fundamentals that may be embedded in a certain problem. And I and I already know that a lot of people, if they're you know doing a problem in algebra one or algebra two, and there might be some fundamental math in there that some people might not understand. So I mm-hmm. often will take more time to explain those fundamentals, which is a problem in like a lot of classrooms because, you know, the teachers are under time constraints and a lot of stress and pressure mm-hmm. to get through certain content. So they may not be able to take the time to go through those fundamentals. Like, you know, in an algebra two class, you know, your students may need to understand how to add and subtract fractions that have different denominators. So in the videos, you know, I might take the time and actually explain that even though the problem is a much more complex problem you know but in a lot of classrooms you know that might not the teacher may not have time to you know explain that that fundamental part of the problem but that's why the videos tend to get long like i just uploaded about like four videos yesterday and you know some of them one some of them were longer like one was like 20 minutes long but it was like a you know i was trying to be real explanatory and that's another thing i'm doing with you know the way i when i'm teaching is I'm trying to make math more conversational because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that's missing from math instruction. You know, there's not as much of a, you know, a conversation, you know, around math. It's kind of just, 
you know, here's this equation, write it on the board, I'll show you the steps to how to solve it, and that's it. And then we go into the next one. But, you know, when there's a conversation, it starts to make more sense. It starts to seem like more of a, you know, a human practice, right? Just like with history, there's a conversation. Or with an English class, when you're studying a certain book or, you know, a novel, you know, there's a conversation. Um, in science, there might even be a conversation because you're talking about when something, when an idea was discovered or, you know, how it's used in everyday life. And I think there should be more of that in mathematics, um, more, it should be more conversational. So I try to get conversational on the YouTube channel, the YouTube channel, in case anybody wondering where, where to find it, it's, um, it's all this math. The name of the YouTube channel is all this math. So if you go on YouTube, right. the youtube.com website, mm-hmm. and you just type in all this math in the search box. It'll take you to one of the videos will pop up or either maybe the homepage or the logo. You see the logo that says all this math and it'll, it'll pop up. And also within the videos, one of the things I'm most proud of is, you know, I'm also given black history and, and black culture, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, mm-hmm. whether it's through just, I try to be intentional. And this is something I do in my classrooms as well while I'm teaching is, you know, like yesterday, one of the videos I had a Thomas Sankara t-shirt on. So <laughs> Thomas Sankara, on. Shay. Bikini so in the beginning of the I, well, through in, you know, at one point in the video, I, I start talking about Thomas Sankara because, mm-hmm. you know, the reason I do that, that's part of my, my histematics framework that mm-hmm. I've been developing over the right past on. few years. Yeah. Right and um, a, a large part of that, I was motivated by Kwame Torre and one of the words that he said in, in his uh, Black United Front speech from 1968 when he said that every Negro is a potential black man. Mm. And that resonated with me. Because I think about that in terms of, you know, a lot of our people, a lot of our people are very brilliant. They become brilliant mathematicians, brilliant scientists, brilliant engineers. But because of their political orientation, they're they're able to be easily weaponized against the the entire black community. That's right. And not even realize it. Mm -hmm. So what I'm thinking is a lot of these people, because they were able to go so far and excel, you know, so far and, you know, maybe earn PhDs and you know, high-level degrees and, you know, these uh, these STEM fields and STEM disciplines, they probably had a very had an early start with doing complex, you know, um, studies of, of subjects like mathematics. But while they were doing that, they weren't learning about the Thomas Sankaras and the Maurice Bishops and, you know, the different slave rebellions. And, you know, they weren't learning about the continent of Africa. Or they weren't learning about, you know, the Republic of New Africa or the Black Panther Party. They weren't learning about those people. They were just learning the math. Mm-hmm. Within, the, within the Eurocentric context. So my thinking is, I definitely think, you know, we should continue to have our children be exposed to high-level math as early as possible, but at the same time, so that they're not able to be weaponized against us as a people politically. They also need to be learning, you know, some provided some political education, like the Black Panther Party should do in the free breakfast program right. in the morning, you right. know, so... That's why in my, in my videos, like, you know, I, I, you know, I'll talk about, you know, the Thomas Sankaras. I'll talk about, you know, Rosa Parks and, you know, not just her, you know, affiliation with the Montgomery bus boycott, but her later affiliation in life with the Republic of New Africa. And then that, you know, opens up the door to conversation about, you know, Robert Robert F. Williams. and mm-hmm. Negro. Right. Yeah, Blacks of Guns. Yeah, yeah well, and Mario Bedelli and, you know, Chokwe Lumumba mm-hmm. and all these, all these people yes. and the work that they were they did so you know so it's just a way to it's a way that you know you you know you get you come to the youtube channel you're gonna you're gonna get the math and you're also gonna get the history you know that's hence the term histematics you know because you're gonna you're gonna get both and hopefully and 
be connecting a story to the math, hopefully that'll help you to remember the different steps in the processes and the math problems. Mm-hmm. Because kind of, and also like it, it works to like kind of um, um, ease some of the math anxiety that people have. Because if you, you know, some people, they already have math anxiety. Some children, some parents, some adults, they already have math anxiety. So, you know, in a video, if you start off just, you know, telling the story, talking about this uh, noteworthy African-American historical figure or noteworthy African historical figure, it kind of like might relax them a little bit. And then we get into the math. So they, they're looking, they're getting into them, getting into the math in a more, in a more relaxed um, way than, you know, than they, they might have otherwise been. So, yeah, so that's the, that's the YouTube channel. Um, and like I said, I'm, I have a goal. I have a goal to teach math to the entire black community. <laughs> so I, I want, I want, I say, well, well, listen, man, I, anything that we could do to help in that way by informing our listeners that, and hope they will inform others that that's what you're about, that that's what you're going to do and insist you yeah. in that effort, man, because the, the bottom line, just like you said, math is solving problems and we need our problems solved in our exactly. way, you know, in our image, in our interests. We need our problems solved, you know, because, you know, um, the in the Sin that I read, Baba Barudi's Daily Revolutionary Thought, and pretty much says what you were talking about, you know, of how we uh, have in, been indoctrinated and how all, all our children that need to be prepared as warriors, our children become spoiled. You know, mm-hmm. and this spoilage lends them to not be aggressive, to want to, you know, uh, acquiesce to Europeans or you be like them or whatever. And no understanding of who we are historically and culturally and why it's important that we continue this struggle. Because we have a struggle for liberation, self-determination, you know, sovereignty. We have a struggle for this. You know, we, our struggle is not assimilation, appeasement, you know. That's not our struggle, you know, because it is always, it will always be done through them. I'm going to take a couple of calls before I go to a break, okay, Akil? And, no and, problem. And then we're going to get you off into your book when we come back, okay? So I have a, I have a hey. caller here. 443-443, uh, good afternoon. Baba Oshi, thank you for taking my call. This is Brother Irvin here. How are you? I'm doing well, my brother. And once again, thank and, you and, so much, and, man, for, and, for sitting here. Oh, no, no. Always. Thank you, brother. Please. Peace. Please, no. You, 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 I, 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 it's an honor to, to co-host your show, even to fill in when you're not there. But, Oshi, this guest that you have is so on point because I'm listening to how he connects mathematics to the, to the whole universe. In other words, if, if, if you talk about problem-solving, and you don't talk about Africa, you're missing something. I, I truly understand what he's saying. Um, and I understand how Arugu takes, he takes out the things that do not benefit him, and he replaces them with something or replaces them with nothing. Mm-hmm. So it appears to be something missing. He's absolutely correct. My whole life I learned in school that math was hard. Math is hard. Math is hard. And then when I started Looking at the people who were who were really good at math, I'm like, I'm just as smart as they are. I can I can figure this out. I have an analytical mind. I can think things out. 
But when I'm told that I can't do it, right. then I go along with what I'm told. Exactly, your and, and that's what our, yeah. that's correct. Our children are told that. And brother, I, I commend you in what you're doing. Um, I um I've I've actually seen some of your stuff online, and you are you, you got it. You're on point, brother. You you put it where you put it where people can understand it. You you I always say talk to me like I'm a like I'm a ten year old, and you put it where people can get it. And if they don't get it, we learn through repetition. So right, that's right. why when you go into a classroom, all the stuff, all the letters are on the top of the, the top of the wall because every time you come in, you see those letters, and eventually at the end of the day, you sing in the song A B C D because it's repetition. So the more you do it, the better you get. Right. So just because someone is good at it doesn't mean they're smart. It just means they caught on quicker than you. But you will catch on. This if computer right. in your head, the, the man can't make a computer like the one you have in your head. I can remember things I did at 11 years old. I'm 65. How does that work? Because this computer that you have in your head that God gave you is amazing. And, and brother, I commend you. Thank you for what you're doing. And keep on keeping on, brother. I appreciate that. I sure will. Yes. All right. Peace. Peace, my brother. Thank you. 602, 602. Good morning. Good morning, brother Oshi. And good morning to your guest. How you doing, Brother Marcus? I'm hanging in there, Hang good on, brother. And good morning to your guests, your brother there, you know? Yes. Good morning. Yes, my brother. You know, as you say, mathematics is the solution. And you know, uh, um, you talk about that. I'm trying to come up with a capital formation system that we can use that starts with a penny us contributing a penny because we show you how the magic of numbers work if we were to take a penny and you double that penny each day for 30 days we would have over five million dollars right you take the penny and day one it's a penny day two it's two pennies Year three, it's four. Year four, it's eight. And you keep doubling that, 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 them pennies. By day 30, you have over five million dollars from starting with a penny. So I need a brother like you to work with to create that app that we can use. Because we need capital formation system because that's our problem, you know, is how to pool resources together, you know. So a brother like you would a good, be a good brother to have on the team because you can write, the, the, you, you is a mathematician and we get a, a programmer to write the program. And we do it, create that app, that a penny, just a penny each day contributed. Would, would would help us, you know what I'm saying? So I love what you're doing, my brother, because you say it's mathematics. It's mathematics is the solution, you know, because, you know, everybody is using it. So why the hell we can't use it to solve our problem? No, it's time for us to get our act together. So keep on keeping on, good brother. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. All right. Thanks. That's one of our great elders, man. Appreciate you, dear brother. All right, brother. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we'll talk more with Brother Phil Parker. You know, math. All this math. 
and uh, we'll talk about the, his book and other things that are happening and how it relates. Brothers and sisters, listen to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. We'll be right back. You stay with us. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com.
You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Once again, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. That's MFSB. That's right. Deep Grooves. Mother, father, sister, brother. Is that is that still called mother, father, sister, brother, man? In Philadelphia, the sound of Philadelphia? I'm not familiar. Not familiar, okay. <laughs> the sound of Philadelphia. The Philly, the Philly sound, man. Yeah. Great group. I know Kenny Gamble. Yeah, Kenny Gamble. You know yeah, Kenny Gamble, Leon Huff. Mm-hmm. He's he's education now. Um, huh? Real estate education. He's what? Yeah. He's in, into education. And, oh, uh, is he? That's right. He did have a school. Did develop a school, didn't he? A bunch of them. They got, oh. they got a bunch of beautiful um, universal, universal companies. So they okay. got a, a bunch of um, elementary, middle school. They got one. They got a high school, uh, Universal Auden Reed, which mm-hmm. is in South Philly. If you, it's a voca- vocational technical school. So if you uh, if you have one seventy six, once you're coming into Philly, mm-hmm. you know, riding toward uh, Center City, you'll see it on the right side of the highway. Right you on. Know, you know, I like to do some um, some work with them. I like to partner with them right and get on. my YouTube channel yeah. into, into their school. I got to send them a proposal. Good. Hope that man. Let me know how that. You know, when that happens, and make make sure you come back on the program to announce that. I like that kind of collaboration, man. Is it? it is this? Is it school African centered? I'm not sure about that. I would okay. need to look more into that. Uh-huh. Um, I know he's a Muslim. You know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that I don't have a. You broke up on me, brother. Yeah, I said I, I was saying that that I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because, uh, in fact, brother Irv, the brother that spoke first, uh, he, he he hosted the program this past uh, Friday, and it was its topic was education or liberation. And we've centered around education, but the education that we have been receiving is just like uh, the word power. You know, I think that Dr. Wade Nobles had the most definitive definition of power because power is not money. It's not politics. You know, it's not educational information. Power is none of that. Power is the ability to define reality than have others accept your definition of it's their own. I don't like that part of the quote. But I do love power is the ability to define reality because that's what we need power. We need to define reality, shape it in our image and interest. That's what I think is most important, you know. And uh, so many times people talk about empowering the people and power this now. You know, in this in this reality, it's not happening. But I know that in terms of what you do and how you do it, it's very empowering, you know, because mathematics so yeah, talk. just trying to play my part. Trying to play my part out here. Yeah. You know, and you know, a lot of people, you know, and even even myself, like for a very long time while I was a classroom high school teacher and you know, I still teach in the classroom, but I'm on a college level now at Cheney University. Um, I see a lot of the problems. You know, mm-hmm. we see we see the deficiencies our children have in math. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at some point, you know, we should address we should identify the problems, we should identify these deficiencies. Then we gotta we have to create some resources to actually solve the problem. 
Right you on. know, so right. Cause it's kind of, um, you know, I remember a, a lecture from Dr. Clark in, back in the 80s. I mean, he was talking about, um, he, was, he was talking about Al Sharpton, <laughs> and he was trying to, he was trying to, he was being honest about Al Sharpton, but it was kind of like a, uh, you know, kind of like a backhanded compliment. Yeah. He was, he was paying. He was well, saying that's, that. That's Dr. Clark. I love him. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was honest. He said, you know, Dr. Clark. I mean, you know, because he said some, he said some words about the Million Man March that people took he issue did. with it. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, you know, your Sharpton is an alarmist. You know, he'll expose the problem. He'll mm -hmm. let you know. It's like, you know, house is on fire. He'll tell everybody, hey, house is on fire. But he's not going to go get a hose, you know, water. <laughs> you know, but, it, you know, but, but it is it, yeah. it is valuable to a degree. You gotta, somebody's got to let people know what's going on. Right. Um, but at this point, I think what has happened is a lot of people, you know, they have platforms and they develop platforms solely off of, you know, finding out what's going on and kind of milking it, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to talk, you know. And they kind of they kind of borderlines on, you know, like a race, like race trauma porn almost. You know, where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, people just like to talk about and like to hear about, you know, all the problems in the black community. You know, it's this problem. And, you know, these kids can't do math and these kids can't read. And, and at some point, I'm just like, well, you know, at some point we got to just, you know, fix or solve the problem. You know, right. we got to just stop talking so much about the fact that they can't read or they can't do math. And we got to sit down and roll our sleeves up and take out some pencil and pencils and paper and teach them the math that they don't know. So that's what I wanted to do, and that's part of the reason that I left the traditional classroom environment was to expand my reach. Good, and good. and I started the youth. That's when I, you know, started the company, all this math, and I started out doing, you know, math tutoring. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be hands on, and then I realized that with the YouTube channel, because the YouTube channel didn't come about until 2020. That came out during the pandemic mm -hmm. when everybody. Right. So, you know, I, I started it back then. And then I kind of, as, as I continued to develop content and add videos, and, and the videos range from elementary level math, you know, teaching how to do basic addition and subtraction, and multiplication and division, all the way up to calculus one. Wow. And I plan to put some more advanced courses like calculus two, calculus three, differential equations, that some of that content on there at some point. But that's, that's a skill set that I need to develop, you know, on my, on my own first before mm -hmm. I can do that. But, um, you know, so, yes, I'm really, you know, trying to solve the problem, you know, um, so that we don't have to keep talking about the problem because the problem will be solved. Right. And the book actually is, you know, the book I published in June is called How to Use All This Math, Volume 1. Okay. And it's only it's only Volume 1. Volume 2 is, um, is, is the outline is completed for Volume 2. I just have to start actually writing the, the content mm -hmm. of the book. And What's the book it? is really a response to a, another realization I have is that, you know, we got to we gotta prepare our children. This is going to sound strange to a lot of people possibly, but our children have to be prepared for a math class. A lot of our children go into school unprepared. Yes, yes, and, you're right. And, it's, well, I, and I also will say this. I don't think it's the fault of black parents and black elders. I think that the issue is that we are we've all been conditioned and trained and taught that our level of involvement is you know is very minimal mm -hmm. that's how that's how we've been trained right so we think right that, as parents so we believe that exactly yeah, as parents mm -hmm. we but most of us believe that all we have to do is 
provide school supplies, mm-hmm. make sure they have their clothes, their uniforms, if the school requires uniforms. They should be well-behaved. Our children should be well-behaved. Mm-hmm. And um, they should be present every day or as, or as close to every day as possible. Right. And, and that's, that's it. pretty much it. That's it. That's but it. What's happening is when you go into a math class and – the teacher starts talking about a lot of terminology, a lot of vocabulary, you know, a lot of, you know, different words and phrases of a mathematical nature, and your child doesn't know the, know the terms, then it, that's when the anxiety creeps in. Right. You know, and that phobia starts to develop. So we have to protect our children from the math anxiety that mm-hmm. is lurking or the math phobia that is lurking. So what we have to do as parents and as elders and concerned community members is we have to teach our children a lot of these math skills before they even get into the school. If they're, if they're going to go to a public charter or a private school, we got to develop a lot of math skills. And it's similar to what we're already doing with English language. So if our children, you know, we speak English, if we speak English as a first language, a lot of our children don't have the same anxiety in English language arts class because all their lives, that's right. That's they've right. been speaking language. Mm-hmm. They've been having conversations. They've been writing down words. They've been looking at other people's words that have been written down. But in the side of the same households, those mathematical conversations aren't taking place. So they're not talking about, you know, different types of fractions that are being used to measure things when, you know, mom or dad is in the kitchen cooking mm-hmm. or your house and she's cooking something or your uncle is, you know, doing this or you go to the gas station and get a certain amount of gas. You're not talking about, you know, how much of a tank, like how many, like you get a quarter tank of gas, three eighths of tank of gas, how much gas is in the tank right now from looking at the gas gauge. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. conversations aren't being had. We just, we just say stuff like, well, I need to get some gas. Well, even that right there, that's a teachable moment because instead of saying some gas, we could say, well, I only got like one eighth of a tank right now. Right. So I want to get half a tank Well, this much money to get me half a tank. So then we could ask the question to the child, well, how much gas will I have? after I add this one half tank to this eighth of a tank. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you say, okay, you end up, you know, go through the whole process and then the child will know, oh, well, five eighths mm-hmm. because half a tank is also four eighths. Right. Why eight. Eight. Mm-hmm. You already got one. So you got five eighths yeah. and one eighth. So three you more know. eighths, you have a whole. Four exactly. The yeah, whole four tank. One, five, right. But see those, those types of things, those types of conversations don't, don't typically happen. So this is why I wrote the book. So because what the book simply consists of is, is 20 short chapters where each chapter focuses on a typical everyday activity that, you know, we partake in in the black community. And I show how within that activity we can practice helping the child to develop their arithmetic ability and help them even to develop some algebra skills. So it's like a primer. So, you know, so now as a parent, you're like, oh, wow, like I didn't even know like that, you know, we could practice this. Or like every time they come into the kitchen to get a snack, we can talk about unit conversions. So, you know, so so basically your book deals with children at a primary level all the way into college. Basically, basically. But the the, the whole idea is that in order, it's it's a way to prevent them from ever developing the math anxiety because if they're doing a lot of these skills and practicing these things in the household where they're comfortable, where they have basically home field advantage, so to speak, you know, then by the time they get into the classroom, which oftentimes can be a very hostile space for a lot of our children, 
that yeah, hosti- right. that hostility will not contribute to their to an inability to master and understand the content that is being presented. Because even if it's a hostile space, you know, it's like, okay, it might be hostile. I might think the teacher doesn't like me, or I might think some of these students in here don't like me. I just might be uncomfortable for various reasons or any, any type of reason. But if I already am familiar and comfortable with the content, then at least I might have some social challenges in this space, but it's not going to, those social challenges are not going to easily translate into an academic challenge. Right, which is right. what very, very quite often happens because we don't have a prior preparation. So essentially what happens is from our conditioning, from our teaching as, as parents, we oftentimes, it's, it's similar to sending our children into a boxing ring when our children haven't had any training, never put a pair of gloves on in their life, and we send them into the ring with somebody that's been training for years. Mm. And we, we, we know what the outcome would be in that exactly. situation. So exactly. our child, we would never put our child in that situation. But the parallel is what we do with mathematics. We send the children into these classrooms unprepared. So, and that's, again, that's something that, you know, that's the alarmism thing, right? You know, we always talk about, oh, well, you know, black kids. Because the majority of our preparation is just, as you said, we bought you the materials, we got you some nice new clothes, some new shoes, you, you, you got your notebooks and so forth ready, now go ahead. Right. You know? And it's not enough. Yeah. It, it's the other shows, that's, that's not enough. So, so what I did is I created the resource because I, I didn't want to just be like, you know, a lot of people that just, you know, are very critical because a lot of people are very long on critique and they're very short on providing resources. Mm. So this resource is a book where it's like as a parent, as a black parent, black grandparent, grand, um, you know, uncle, aunt, whoever, godparent, you know, big cousin. And you just you want to prepare your child so your child doesn't have to, especially if you're a person that has. A grown fear of an adult that has their own math anxiety and their own math phobia, and you don't want you want better for your child, right? You want better for your niece, you want better for your nephew, mm-hmm. you want better for your cousin. So this book is created so it's like, okay, I'm showing you different teachable moments because I'm like like people that are immersed in a certain area of expertise or they're immersed in whatever it is they do, they start to notice how. There, that whatever that area of expertise is, is represented in the most random aspects of everyday life, right? Now, somebody that's a barber, for example, like I'm not a barber, but I'm sure that people that are barbers can see similarities to barbering and experiences they have while they're cutting hair, mm-hmm. just in everyday life, random, the most random places, things that I wouldn't recognize because I'm not a barber. Mm-hmm. But because I'm a mathematician and because I teach math and I'm immersed in it, and I do this every day, almost all day long, I see teachable moments and math opportunities to teach math all around me. Right. So what I've, I've documented 20 of these, and these are a lot, a lot of these things are things that I've done with my own children, mm-hmm. right? So they're kind of battle tested, so to speak, right? And they've been successful. So I, you know, I, I, I identified 20 of these different examples. And like I said, volume two is already ready. So I got 20 more examples that I just got to fill in the content. <laughs> right on. Right on. And then there's going to be a, Three, you know, there's gonna be a volume three as well, at least, at least a volume three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm showing these teachable moments where it's like, you know, you don't even gotta like, you know, you, so your child won't have to wait until they get to school to learn these things. They can learn it with you, you know, and you can and learn. They can learn them know, all year round. All, all year round. It's, no season, day, it's not a seasonal thing. Yeah, Learning exactly. is daily. The key is repetition. So right. You do it every single. Like there's a there's a chapter in the book called license plate games. Because I realized that, 
you know, I was I was naive. I didn't realize how many young children don't know their addition facts and subtraction facts. Children mm-hmm. in third grade, maybe in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Those facts should be learned by the first grade. When you learn addition, when you initially learn addition, you should re- have memorized what 7 plus 9 is, 16, what 8 plus 3 is, that's 11, mm-hmm. what, you know, 4 plus 8 is, that's 12, right? Those should be memorized. Conceptually, we should have an understanding of why those are the answers, but we should also have those memorized. So what we can do in the license plate game chapter, what I'm saying is when you're driving in the car with your child, whether you're on the way to school, whether you just got picked up from school, whether you're on the way to run errands, doing whatever you got to do, have your child look at the license plate of the car in front of you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the car in the next lane over and just identify, take the numbers from that license plate and just practice doing addition with those numbers. Mm. Yeah. And then practice doing subtraction with those numbers. Mm-hmm. And practice doing multiplication with those numbers. Right. And practice division with those numbers. And then you yeah. think about all the you think about all the rides that young children are taking in cars with their parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, whoever, and they're not doing that. Those are op- those are missed the opportunities, opportunities. Yes, they to are. develop. Mm, so I'm just kind of laying out there, like, look, this is an opportunity. You know, if you take advantage of the opportunity, then you know, and then a lot of stuff can be done in the household as well. So your your household, in addition to your children practicing the English language on a regular daily basis, they can also be practicing the language of mathematics mm. on a regular and daily basis. Because math, math is a language, too. And then the whole the out, the whole goal is for them to become comfortable at math at an early age. And then cause once you have that, that comfort early on, then when you go to school, you excel. Because mm-hmm. you're just building up something that you already know. Right. right. You go to school, you excel at. You know, just like, you know, some kids, you know, they you might learn how to roll dice in your neighborhood. So then I know I know how to roll dice, so I know how to play pity pad. I know how to, you know, game, play, right. you know, play for money. Those, those, to... those are good counting primers, though. They are. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but but I learn it in my community or in my household, and then I go to school and I excel, mm-hmm. and I take that skill that I already developed in, in my community and in my neighborhood, and then I become real good at it at school, and I start taking everybody's money, you know, because because <laughs> we're gambling, gambling, we're rolling dice in the bathroom or whatever. Yeah. It's the same concept, but applied to academics, mm-hmm. applied to some, something of an academic nature, and this is what this is this is what I believe has to be done because then you become more comfortable with math. Then the math anxiety never creeps in. Then the math phobia never creeps in. And then when you hear people talking about, you know, math ain't for us or math is too hard, you start looking at those people like they're crazy. Like, oh, damn, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Why is it so hard for you? Mm-hmm. You know, because you developed a solid foundation of math mm-hmm. in your own household and with your parents, with people that loved you, people that love you, were helping you to, you know, And then also, also, too, you realize how math is applied in everyday life. When you see it, buildings, exactly. when you see... Uh, different objects and so forth, things that are made, uh, bridges and uh, everything, you know? You see how math is applied in everyday life and how it works yeah. for you. Yeah. And in long term, so long term, another benefit is that because you have this strong foundation in math from early on in life, then when you go to school, you're excelling in math even more. And then you're thinking, okay, so what do I want to do with my life? Oh, you know what? I do want to become an engineer or I do want to become yeah. a doctor. Well, I'm an architect because again, it's like we talked about earlier, that seventh grade English teacher that Malcolm had, we become our own version of that seventh grade English teacher because of our math deficiency. Mm-hmm. So we, we do know that math is a gatekeeper and I've even had students. I went to college with people like this and I've, you know, seen people do this. Like a lot of people 
are undecided on what they want to major in at college. They just know they want a college degree because they know that that will give them some type of um, economic um, upward mobility. But what they don't realize, what they realize is like, but at the same time, I know I've had deficiencies in math from kindergarten through 12th grade. So I want to minimize the amount of math courses that I have to take. Hmm. So then right. disqualifying themselves from anything in a STEM discipline. Hmm. So that's why, you know, people that would be, that would be realistically great computer engineers, great electrical engineers, great doctors, great registered nurses, they, they would excel in those fields. But because there's a requirement that they take a certain amount of math courses and they don't want to take math courses because they never developed a strong foundation in math in life and in, in school early on, they shy away from that. So then they go into other fields and it's not that there's anything wrong with, you know, the other fields, but, I don't think that people should go into those other fields as a as an act of desperation because the, only because they couldn't qualify mm-hmm. to be like I don't think people should major in psychology or social work only because they want to get a job and it's because they couldn't do anything else. I think people should do um, psychology and social work because they actually want to do that and they feel like they can make a, a significant contribution to the community from going into that field mm-hmm. while at the same time they wanted to. They also know that they could excel as being a doctor. They could excel being an attorney. Um, they could excel in any field, you know, any within any discipline that's offered on that college campus. But they, they you know, but it because, but a lot of people, they just, you know, they go through the catalog and they're like, okay, well, because I know I can choose what classes I want to take and I can choose what major I want to pick. You know, I just don't like math. Right. So, and also to that, they, they choose what they feel might be easier for them. You know, right. and as a consequence, not challenging themselves to get into STEMs and so forth, you know, they're, the jobs that, that, that they can get are low wage, you know. Right. Even though they got a college degree or maybe even have a master's degree, they still, uh, you know, just barely make enough. <laughs> My daughter has a master's no, uh, uh, Yeah, she has a master's degree, and she's working in a uh, – a, a, a community service and she don't make here in Atlanta she doesn't make enough money to have her own place you know and and, and it's going to get even worse now with the technology the advances in technology and I'm, I'm really paying care trying to pay careful attention to this artificial intelligence yeah the AI you know? man for sure yeah and as black as black people we're not only competing with other other races you know for opportunities but now we're competing with computers and computer programs that are developed in many cases by other races. Mm-hmm. So even more, you know, imperative that we develop these math skills, you know, and we got to we gotta, um, stop running from the math. And so that's why that's, you know, all these reasons are why I wrote the book so that, you know, in a, in a comfortable and um, feasible way, you know, parents can help their children to develop their math skills early on, mm-hmm. you know, um, and parents don't have to feel overwhelmed and intimidated because I've seen some of the some some literature out there, well, some texts out there that are supposed to be for uh, you know helping parents to do that. But I look at this book and I'm like, this looks like a textbook. Like this, most parents, I don't even want to read this. Like you know, and I'm a I'm a math professional, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm I definitely don't want my book to look like that because I want this to be like a book that somebody feels comfortable picking up and like flipping through and saying, okay, chapter one, candy fractions, okay. In chapter one, we talk about using the language of fractions because I've had so many students in my career 
that are just uncomfortable with fractions. And I think a large part of that is due to them never learning the concept of fractions or what a fraction is, you know. Um, so when it comes time to solve problems involving fractions or adding fractions together or subtracting fractions from each other, it becomes very, it's very difficult, right? But I think that in the household, if we start to use the language of fractions early on, then fractions become less intimidating because if you really understand the language of fractions, then it, it indicates also to you what the concept of a fraction is, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I talk about how, you know, if we deal with candy, right? You say, okay, well, you, you buy a Kit Kat, you know, a pack of, you know, a Kit Kat bar pack. It's got four bars in it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say you want to give one to your child. Say, here, have, have a, normally we would say, here, here's a piece. Or we would just say, here, right? But we can be more specific and say to the child, look, there's four in the pack. There's four pieces in the pack. I'm giving you one. So while I am giving you one, I'm also giving you one-fourth. This mm-hmm. is a quarter. Mm-hmm. So I'm introducing you just from, you know, a simple activity. I'm giving you, I'm giving your son a Kit Kat, giving your daughter a Kit Kat, giving your grandchild a Kit Kat bar. Mm-hmm. And you're teaching them at the same time. And they're going to remember that because now you're giving, you're instilling in them an understanding of the language of fractions. So then when they, hopefully, when they get to school and they, the teacher starts talking about fractions, they're like, okay, I'm, I'm a little familiar with this already. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they can add on to, the teacher can add on to the, the prior understanding they already have as opposed to them going in there never having been introduced to fractions at all, and they're going in cold and kind of a blank sleep. Another thing with fractions, from a cultural standpoint, I think fractions are very important for us to understand because fractions help us to embrace you know, our African, you know, tradition of communalism and collectivism. And it helps us to get away from the rugged individualism that's been imposed on us by this Western society and this colonial society. Mm-hmm. Because when you think of, when you understand what a fraction is, you will start to understand that while I am an individual, right? But if it's like six, like six people in a room, right? A person, my, most people might say, well, I'm me, I'm here. I'm one whole person, right? But at the same time, if there's six of us in the room, each, each of these individuals, we represent one-sixth of this room, right. and we are a community. Right. So we can use the language of math to reinforce and instill the idea of collectivism, and we can make those connections. So it plants the seed, and if we're teaching young children this, then they grow up thinking that way. And, when you, and every time they do a math problem, every time they do a math problem involving fractions, every time they see a fraction somewhere, any, any, every time that it, it, it should also, if it's done effectively, it should reinforce that idea mm-hmm. that you are part of a community. So then when you get older or as you grow and you have to make decisions about how you should act as an individual, hopefully you'll make decisions where as an individual, you're considering the community because right. you're thinking that right. I'm part of a community. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not, I might not ride through this neighborhood and throw trash on the ground because it's like, well, I don't care. I don't live there. Mm-hmm. But you're still part of the community, community. even exactly. if you don't live on this particular block. So maybe you sh- so you might think, hopefully you think, well, no, nah, I shouldn't throw trash on the ground, right? Because then somebody else has to has to deal with that. They're 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 part of my the collective, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's the hope too. So um, these are some of the types of you know activities that are that are in the book. You know, candy fractions. There's another chapter. My favorite chapter I always talk about is. Um, is, is negative agents. It's a chapter on negative agents. And this is something that I, I did with my daughter, Asada, mm-hmm. uh, who's 11 now. And I taught her negative numbers this way and the concept of negative numbers and the, and the number line. 
You know, you got the positive side of the number line, you got the negative side of the number line. So what happens is when I'm telling her stories about anything that happened before she was born, physically born, I always ask her how old was she when this event happened. Mm. So, for example, yeah. and then, you know, she started doing it. She looked at me like I was crazy, like I had three heads or something, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but then I explained it to her, right? And this is something I want the entire black community to start doing because I think this is a great way to introduce the concept of negative numbers. Is like, for example, so, you know, if your child was born, like the daughter was born in 2012, right? Mm-hmm. And I might tell her a story about something that happened to me when I was five, you know? So I was five. She knows when I was born. I was born in 1980. So therefore, I was five in 1985. So if I ask her what happened, what, what, how old was she when this story took place that I'm telling her about in the past? She knows that since she was born in the year 2012, on the number line, her birth year represents zero. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of it's kind of like with the Gregorian calendar, kind of like you know before Christ and you know right. and and uh, it's a countdown. It's a count backward. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the same thing. So so she just has to figure out the difference between 2012 and 1985. Mm-hmm. So then she does that math. She, she can, you know, it's, and there's many ways to do it. That's another conversation you can have with your children because there's so many different ways to, to find that difference or find that amount of space between 1985 and 2012. Um, so then she finds, out, okay, 1985, 2000, this is one way to do it. Mm-hmm. That would be 15 years. And then from 2000 to 2012 is 12 years. So then you add the 15 with the 12, add the 10 and the 10 is 25 and the 2 is 7. So that's 27 years. So 27 year difference. So because of that, that means that at the time that this story was taking place, when I was five years old, she was negative 27 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. she, and then for and then for the women, as a mother having this conversation or a grandmother or auntie having this conversation, you know, when you think about the biological aspect or the the anatomical aspect of how all girls are born with all of their ovaries. Mm. So a mother having this conversation with her, with her daughter, you know, or her son, she could say, well, yeah, you were a negative age, but you actually were, I was already carrying you because you were an ovary back then. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so it gets a little deeper, and then like you can make a connection to the biology, have a have a conversation about biology. You know, so that's you know, and that's again like negative numbers is a, is a very important concept, I think, and you know, because a lot of people when they get to an algebra one class in ninth grade, or even if they if they're fortunate enough to take algebra one in eighth grade, you know, it kind of throws them off because all their life they never knew that you could subtract a bigger number from a smaller number, and I think that that has a lot to do that has uh, serious implications in terms of financial literacy and economic responsibility because you know you might be a person that just like you know overdraws your checking account very easily because you don't even really understand that you know when you have a negative uh, a negative balance on your checking account and then let's say you know you have a negative $300 balance in your checking account and then somebody you know you get paid you know payday comes and you know, you know, you get paid, you know, seven hundred dollars, right? But you got a negative three hundred dollar balance. No, you only got four hundred dollars. Yeah, you don't realize you know you only got four hundred dollars because the bank right. needs their money back. Exactly. Because you don't concept of negative numbers. You just know, okay, I don't got it. Mm-hmm. You, so, so what a lot of people do is they have this false concept conception that zero is the same thing as something negative because they know I can't get money out. 
but they don't realize that like you know when somebody you got to make yourself you got to break even first mm-hmm. you got to make it back first and that's a conceptual thing and my thing is again just like everything in this book i just want for our young people to understand these concepts as early as possible so then these things, because these are really fundamental fundamental issues. And so many young people and so many people in, in middle school and high school, they get caught up in the fundamentals because they never really learned the fundamentals and, never, and then didn't practice the fundamentals. So we don't even, a lot of times, we don't even get to the actual problem solving, like I, like I talked about earlier, because the problem solving is, you know, where you do the word problems in different applications. That's also how you end up seeing how relevant math is. Because when you're doing actual word problems, you're like, oh, okay, so this is a situation. This guy's got this small business, and he's selling T-shirts, and this happens, and we want to try to predict how much money he can make in a month and then how much money he can make the next month if he has this many expenses or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know, take information out and create the equation and then solve the equation. But a lot of times we can't even get to that because the children don't have the fundamentals. So what I'm saying is I'm writing these this series of books because – I want our children to already have these fundamentals. So by the time they go into school, they're ready to just, you know, kind of hit the ground rolling. Mm-hmm. And they already have the fundamentals. Because so much time is wasted because, you know, and then it's, it's like they don't have the fundamentals. So it's like they're not ready, you know. So we, you got to be ready. You got you to bring certain things to the table, um, certain skills to the table. Like if you're, if you're going into an Algebra one class, you got to bring certain, certain uh, academic skills to the table. If you're going into a geometry class, you got to bring certain academic skills to the table. And if you don't have them, like math is so cumulative, if you don't already have those skills, then there's no way you're going to be able to do, you may not be able to do that subject at all. Right. So, and I, and I think that the schools, and I think that we can't rely on the schools to be the main educators of our children anyway. I mean, a lot of us have already know that. A lot of right. our ancestors knew that. Right. Um, and that's why we do it. But I think we, we put too much trust in these institutions when in fact and i think this is what malcolm meant like when he said you know only a fool would send his children to be educated by his enemy and i think that even if we still send our children to these schools i think that we should restructure this our our relationship with these schools these schools should become places of practice as opposed to primary learning centers they should be places where or or, or or places of indoctrination well, yeah. well, they, they're going to be that. They're going to be that anyway. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, like, but see, this can also defend against that to an extent because if we've right. learned a lot, like, like, you know, like I'm sure, like you told your children certain things, and my parents told me certain things, and I've told my children certain things mm-hmm. to defend them against the indoctrination because I'm like, okay, I know they're going to tell you this, so let me tell you this, like, before you even go into right. school, I'm going to tell you about Christopher Columbus. Right, we're gonna talk about Dr. Clark's book about Christopher Columbus and the um and the conquest and, and all of that, right? We're gonna talk about that. So by the time you get to school, when they start telling you about Christopher Columbus, you already have a filter in place. Because mm-hmm. I've already protected you against that. Right. So the same thing with math and, and also while we're having these conversations, we're gonna talk about black mathematicians and African math mathematicians from the continent and, and all this and that. So when you go into the math class and you open up the textbook and you only see white folks on the in the textbook you already had that filter in place. You're like, oh, okay, this is interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us, we never even know that black people did math. Right. And so when you open we, the textbook, that's all you see is Caucasians. You feel that yeah, this it. is not for me. And that's why we right. have that so, anxiety. It, yeah. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because mm-hmm. then you're like, 
okay, it's already it's already difficult, it's challenging, but here's the thing, it's supposed to be challenging. Like a lot of things, it's, it's supposed to be challenging. But we think that it's not for us, so then it's like that gives us another reason to say, well, now nah, I'm just not even going to do this because I think, I think it's insurmountable or I think a, achievement is unattainable for me, right? And then you kind of you get all the uh, the subtle cues all around you. So like all the formulas are named after white people. Um, I don't see any black people in this textbook. Um, this teacher's probably white. It's probably a white man or a white woman teaching this class, you know, maybe an Asian or Arab, Arab person teaching this class. Um, you know, it's not a lot of, you know, it's not, you know, and, it's, and I'm looking around my classroom, and if I go to inner city school, mm-hmm. then you know, it's probably a lot of us in the room that don't take it seriously because we've all been, like you said, indoctrinated. We've all been indoctrinated to believe that math isn't for us. So then you're looking around, you're like, well, damn, you know, maybe math isn't for us. And then a lot of us have parents that had a similar experience. And we've come home from school and tried to get help from our parents with homework. And our parents have been like, nah, I can't really do that. Our parents are like kind of, they, they, they project out their own insecurities with math and their own math anxiety and math phobia onto the child. So then the child is like, well, maybe this is a genetic thing. Cause my mom ain't good at math. My dad ain't good at math. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And then, then another part, another problem is we start to feel, the child starts to feel comfortable with not doing well in math because the child looks around in the house and says, well, you know what, this is a pretty nice house. It's comfortable in here. I got my own room. I got this PlayStation 5. I got, you know, new new Jordans, and, you know, I got nice clothes, and my mom's got a car, my dad's got a car, and I kind of, you know, I get to do things that I like to do. We go on vacation maybe, you know. So if all of these people, we start to use some type of, like, deductive reasoning, right, and or try to try to apply some type of deductive reasoning. We say, well, listen, you know, even though we're not considering all the facts as a child, but you're like, well, if I live this way, I live comfortably, and my parents provide all of this, and my parents weren't good at math, so then for them that becomes a confirmation that oh, mm-hmm. you don't I don't need, need it. Good at math. You don't, yeah, and I can. Mm-hmm. But they're relieving out this uh, the realization that well, for one, they might not know behind the scenes how their parents are financing all of this this lifestyle. They might right. not know all those details, right? That's one number one. Number two, there's a time difference. What was acceptable? What what you know, your parents might have been able to secure a certain type of livelihood thirty years ago with minimal math skills that you may not be able to do in today's society. Good point. Especially Good point. Yeah. When we got to compete with artificial intelligence, your parents didn't have to compete with artificial intelligence. So that kind of like puts a strain and tightens up the job market and the job selection process. Because now, because you think about like how just like self-scan checkout, with self-scan checkout, that means there are less cashiers. Exactly. So a lot cashiers. of jobs lost. A lot of jobs lost. A lot of jobs are lost. So now, you know, it's more it's more competition. So in order to be able to compete, you got to have more more qualifications. And uh, and as, as we say, like, you know, math is always going to be a gatekeeper for a lot of opportunities, you know, and a lot of, op- a lot of, a lot of ways to get in, the, get your foot in certain doors and get into certain. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I just want, um, yeah, I want us to like reorient, orient ourselves in terms of how we engage, you know, schools, you know, and, and we look at schools as like, okay, in my community, my elders, my old head, they taught me trigonometry. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's and that's what the youth, my YouTube channel is for. So it's like, I want people to be able to go to my YouTube channel and learn trigonometry, and then they say, okay, well, if I go to school and well, I'm taking trigonometry or pre-calculus, we're, we're going over trigonometry in that class, 
I could practice what I learned on the Audit Smash YouTube channel, right? Or I practice what elders taught me in the, in the neighborhood, on the block, on the corner, in the house, in somebody's basement, up the block, or at the rec center. You know, with a you know with an old head that looks out for us. You know, he might he might be our basketball coach too, but he's our basketball coach, but he also teaches us math, right? And and then when we go to school, then I'm just practicing what I already know and what I already learned, as opposed to what often happens. We go to school not knowing anything almost, or very little in terms of math. And then the, we, we kind of make ourselves beholden to this teacher. And the schools aren't equipped to, the schools aren't equipped to take somebody from knowing nothing to right. being proficient. Right. They're not equipped. They never have been. Mm-mm. Right? So this isn't even this isn't even an, an attack on teachers either. They're not equipped to do that. You know, mm-hmm. but it's like this expectation that they should. And I think we as a community also have to, and this kind of speaks to the, the ideology of nationalism that more of us should, should adopt, right? Because a lot of times we want people to do stuff for us that we should really be doing ourselves. Exactly. And we see it as like, you know, we, 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 I think we should start to covet responsibilities more. And as parents, we should want the responsibility of teaching our children math. We should want that. And then the, the school, if we send our children to school and we're able to hold school, I think the school should be able to supplement what we're doing as opposed to the other way around where the teacher is the main, the, the main educator of your child and the teacher is sending note, letters home saying, this is what I need y'all to do. We shouldn't have schools or teachers telling us as parents what they need for us to do. We should be telling the school what we need for them to do mm, because they're not, they're not equipped to do, you know, to, they're not equipped. Like I said, they're not equipped to really take a large amount of students, a large percentage of students, from knowing nothing to knowing a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. Not in a classroom with 25 or more students in there, um, different, you know, developmental levels, different math backgrounds. They're not equipped for that anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we, we got we to gotta reorient ourselves. And that's why, like, with these resources, I'm hoping mm-hmm. um, that that'll, that'll help in this process, that'll aid us in this process of becoming more self-sufficient in terms of educating our own children, right you know, whether it be the YouTube channel and the book, you know, volume one is out. It's available on Amazon, how to use all this math volume one. Um, please go check it out. You know, let me know what you think of it. And, um, and yeah, let me get some, uh, we got a few callers in on, uh, let's get some questions from our audience. Three, three, four, three, three, four. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, brother. Oshi. Um, hey, sorry to man. Time- Late. And when I heard uh, the brother was on uh, describing the mathematics, I just had to make sure that I get in. Right on. Uh, first of all, good afternoon, brother. Peace and blessings to you. Uh, one yeah. of the concepts and ideas that I'd really like to try to um, push over, especially for this particular school year, with, uh, even though I'm not part of the school system, is that of the concept of doubling. And so there's that infamous question, which would you rather have, a million dollars? or a penny and double that penny for 30 days. I'm sure you're familiar with that uh, ideology. Yeah, yeah. It amounts to $5 million. But the thing about it, over $5 million, but the thing about it is that to put that in practice, and I think that if, um, if a student, a young student, can actually tangibly see something happen uh, by taking a dollar bill, right, and once a week for three months, literally tracking the doubling 
of that money for over a three-month period and, if possible, can push it even further for him or her to see the effects of this concept and idea of doubling. And so I, I figured, you know, it would be great to get a, a young student who can, you know, um, manage the funds and have their pickle jar and be able to take a dollar bill, uh, write out those serial numbers, letters, and numbers identified with that particular dollar bill, separate the two pieces of information, the dollar bill itself and the, the um information and come back next week same time same station and actually double that one to two and so it and i think that it would help with the process of accountability right and so a young student can see this is what happens when you double that one to two and then the next week after that double that two to four then double that four to eight and and just start at ground zero for a, a three-month period and just see what him, uh, what the young student would uh, uh, come away with. And if all possible, that would also have him or her to work towards, say, uh, chores to say, I need to work, I need $16, <laughs> excuse me, I need to double that 8 to 16, and then eventually 16 to 32. And so they have something tangible from which to operate and work from so uh thank you so very much for your time and and how to use all this math I'll, uh, I've, I've inscribed in brother what's your name again akil parker akil i i knew it but i didn't know it <laughs> uh brother parker thank you so very much and and uh um hopefully uh i could um be able to refer to your pieces uh as a source from which to operate thank you i appreciate the support uh-huh. Right on. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Lust. Appreciate you, man. All right. All right. So, oh, we got 10 minutes, about 10 minutes left. And, uh, man, went fast. Um, your YouTube, and you said you have a lot of content on the YouTube channel. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's so a lot it's, still it's, missing. Really? So, so say, yeah. for instance, I wanted to go to elementary um, algebra. I don't think it's elementary, but, but basic, you know, so I can get some basic information. Maybe my grandson who's having issues, because I know he had some issues with math, and, and so I can have him go to the YouTube channel and look at certain concepts in, in, in algebra or whatever the – whatever the math problem is, they can be there. Definitely. And so all I got to do is go to YouTube and then you can uh, put in put in the um, entry something specific. Yeah, so the topic. So as long as you know the topic, and usually like, you know, when, when you know, if when the teacher assigns a homework assignment or they're going over a classwork, there's a, there's a name for everything, you know, that you're doing in math, whether it's solving equations, whether it's um, simplifying expressions with exponents or factoring, or you kind of could just look in the instructions actually, you know, whether it's evaluating evaluating expressions. There's so many different, you know, topics. So what I've done is I have different playlists, and each playlist is pertains to a certain topic. And I did it that way because originally I was going to try to subdivide it by grade level, but then 
that gets tricky because what a certain topic that may be offered for eighth grade in one school district in one part of the country may also may be offered instead in another school district in another part of the country that might be offered in ninth grade mm-hmm. or it might be seventh grade. Right. So then it creates a lot of confusion. So what you have to do is, so I guess the extent of the legwork that a, a person would have to do is just know the name of the topic. So as long as you know the name of the topic, you know, if it's like from geometry, for example, you know, um, with geometry, like if you're doing work with circles, trying to find the area of a circle. So you just type in, you know, finding the area of a circle. Once you get into the, into the channel, you type in the search box and a bunch of videos will pop up and you just pick, pick from the one you want. I also have a playlist called Circle Geometry, which gets into, um, which in a typical geometry textbook might cover like, you know, four or five, um, you know, chapters, mm-hmm. you know, short chapters. It might be a whole unit where we're dealing with like, you know, how to find the area of a circle, how to find the circumference of the circle, which is basically the perimeter or the length around the circle, um, how to find this, the measurement of angles inside of a circle. And this is all type of all stuff you need for like engineering because this deals with like wheels and gears and, you know, the different measurements and the relationships between, you know, um, angles inside a circle and angles outside of circles, you know, uh, tangent lines and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So, so yeah, so you would just go in, go into the channel, uh, type in all this math, go on YouTube, type in, type in all this math, and it'll it'll take you to the channel. And then once you're in the channel, you just go into the search box and type in the topic you want. You know, any, any yeah. topic you want. That's and great. I got some, um, the brother was talking about doubling, and that made me think of comedic multiplication. And because comedic multiplication, all you're doing is doubling. Same thing with division. Comedic division, comedic multiplication, you're just doubling. You know, you're just doubling the numbers. You, so I got some videos on comedic multiplication because, again, that's something else that I believe will help for, you know, black children to understand that, you know, we do come from math. And I'm actually not only telling you that, you know, we come from math, but I'm also showing you tangibly ways and methods that our ancestors in ancient, all the way back in ancient commit, that they actually used to do multiplication. And you just constantly double in numbers. You know, you set up the two factors, the multiplication problem. It's like a table, you know, and then you just double the numbers. You know, you double, you know, um, and then there's another, you know, there's some other steps that you go through to get to the final answer. But I got videos on on the channel in the, the multiplication methods playlist. Because the multiplication methods playlist, it's got all all different types of multiplication. Like when like 35 years ago, when I was in elementary school, we learned how to multiply one way. You know, this that standard algorithm. But since then, I've learned a lot of other methods, like the lattice method and um, partial products method and area model method and Comedic multiplication and just different things that you know are being taught yes. today, yeah. Which is another, which another issue. It's a challenge for parents because a lot of parents want to help with homework, but they can't because they're not familiar with these methods that are being used. Right. So because yeah. with these methods that are being, used, the schools, uh, oftentimes, they're not. They haven't created programming specifically for the parents to teach the parents how to do the math in this way. So I'm saying, okay, well, there's a void there. So I'm also developing partnerships with a lot of schools, and I want to do this all around the country. So anybody listening, 
and you're you're involved with um, school administrators or local schools or parent teacher associations or home and school associations, and you would like for me to do a parent workshop where I'm showing parents that you have students in the school that you know of um, how to do the new math that everybody complains about. And I understand the complaints because it can be challenging, you know, because and a lot of the resources that are available, they're very difficult for teachers to understand. You know, so teachers have to really study like how the you know how these methods are being um, 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 explained and whatnot um, in order to develop their own their own ability to teach it. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine parents that aren't trained as teachers and don't have education backgrounds, you know, um, how challenging it could be for them. So that's why I'm I'm going to be doing parent workshops also, so that parents will be able to help their children with homework because wow, that's another you know, way to that's that's really separate. cool because now with with Zoom and so forth, you can do this with literally tens of thousands and target it, you know, to various cities and various uh, groups. Yeah. The thing with that is, is like, it's like a hidden, it's it's, it's a problem when parents can't help with homework, Mm -hmm. but it's even more insidious because what it does is it serves to break down the black family. Because there's so much bonding that takes place between parent and child sitting at the dining room table, sitting at the kitchen table, sitting on the couch, just going over homework. Yeah. There's so much bonding. Yeah. So then once you introduce content that the parents don't understand how to do, now you've eliminated, you've essentially eliminated a significant opportunity for bonding between parent and child. Mm. Exactly. And then imagine that, how, you know, it multiplies throughout our community from coast to coast, from east coast to west coast, city to city. Mm-hmm. And imagine like all the thousands of parents, hundreds of thousands of parents that would be bonding with their child at that time, but they're not because they don't understand how to do the math to help with the math homework. It might help with the English language homework, maybe some of the science or the social studies, but there's, there's a significant portion of time that adds up cumulatively, right, that would be spent helping with math homework. But if the parent doesn't understand the math homework, then it's like, and then it, you know, it leads to like a lot of frustration, you know, sometimes parents, you know, taking it out on the child. So not only that, either you, either was either the bonding time is being eliminated or the bonding time is being replaced with um, an uncomfortable situation between parent and child where where the parent and child become adversarial with each other Mm. because the parent is frustrated because they don't understand the math. And they start to lash out at the child because the child is right there. And then they're trying to explain it, and the child doesn't understand. So then the child be, gets antagonized. Mm-hmm. So and, and this the is why I want frustrated. To... Yeah. yeah, parents are frustrated. And it's, it's a normal human, human response. Mm-hmm. It's a normal human response. So right. I want to help parents, help, help our people, help our black parents to understand the math so that they can provide the homework help and get that bonding time back with their children. Because I think what that does is long-term, that prevents, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, the buzzword right now is gun violence. And a lot of that comes from young brothers going out into the street and feeling like they get love in the street. And then they're in the street, and then they start carrying guns in a lot of situations. And then that leads to them using them guns. Yeah. And then that's gun, gun violence comes from because they wasn't able to get love in the household and I think that one of the contributing factors to them not being able to get love in the household is the loss of that bonding time during homework help time mm-hmm. between the parents. Yeah. 
Yeah, when when when, when when he or she, particularly a he, was you know seven, eight, nine years old, ten years old. Right. You know, because like like I say, when once you get 13, 13, 15, 16, that kid he ain't gonna listen to nothing. You know, mm-hmm. but his peers and out, out in the streets, if that's the case, you know, you miss that opportunity as a parent to 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 give vital instructions, to give some nurturing, to give some love, you know. But man, we run out of time, brother. I tell you, yeah, you having fun? I tell you, always a pleasure, man. You know, to have you on the program, not just to talk about math, but to talk about history. We used to be on about once a month at one time a few years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we should get back to that. I'm, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you more about that. I like yeah. to come start coming frequently. Well, please, please do, and you're truly welcome. Believe me, you are. So yeah, let's make that happen, man. Because we used to talk about historical figures and instances and so forth, man. Just just going through our history. But I know the math. I know how important it is, and so. Um, let's let's hope that you do exceedingly well in in, the, in with your book sales, but more importantly, with what you're doing online to try to help parents across the country be able to work with their children in in, in providing the much needed instructions and help in their math challenges. So, all right, dear brother, peace to you, man. All right, all right. Brothers and sisters, we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind. But not just the M-I-N-D, but the M-I-N-E, because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants, think they can't do without, and they sure the hell don't want to pay for Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Shem Hotep, that means go in peace. Asante Sana means thank you. Bibi Fahadier, Bibi Fahadier means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. You have a blessed day, and I hope to see you on Wednesday. We'll talk about Marcus Garvey. His birthday is upcoming on the 17th. All right, hope to see you on Wednesday. Peace, family.